If you're thinking about buying a Kia Seltos, here's exactly what you need to know. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian new car buyers save thousands off their next new cars. Hit me up on the website for that. Just off the bat here, okay? If you are merely the habitual watcher of road test pornography, then this video might not actually be for you. It might be a bit long and kind of not fun enough. See, what I've done here is I've really made it for that other category of potential viewer, the punter with actual cash, debating internally about slamming it down and buying a Seltos and whether or not this is the right choice. I'm going to address what I see as the major considerations for you if you are that person on the cusp. And there's a couple of hilarious observations about Seltos this and Seltos that right at the end. <laughs> like, what were they thinking? Anyway, the executive summary here is pretty positive. After attending the launch last week and driving several hundred kilometres behind both powertrains, I can tell you unequivocally that Seltos is fundamentally a very good SUV if you're the right customer. It's definitely on my recommended list. It kind of depends on what you want, obviously, but Kia is a good company with a strong warranty and excellent customer support here in Shitsville. How does the new Seltos stack up and does that replace the Sportage? I've had a thousand different flavors of this question lately and no, Seltos is unequivocally not a Sportage replacement. There is no diesel in the Seltos range and you get less tow capacity. Substantially less as it turns out, but perversely there is more tow ball download limit for the Seltos, go figure. So. Depending on your trailer, you might actually be able to tow a trailer with Seltos that you might not be allowed to tow with Sportage. So how this breaks down, it's 130 kilos download on Seltos with up to 1200 kilos of outright tow capacity versus 100 kilos download with up to 1900 kilos tow capacity on Sportage. The tow capacity varies with the powertrain in both vehicles, so check the specs and know exactly what your trailer weighs fully loaded before you buy any vehicle. The biggest problem that Seltos is going to cause for Kia is that its closest competitor is Sportage, and they're going to have to do something pretty clever to ensure that Seltos sales don't cannibalise Sportage to some significant degree. But that's kind of their problem. What you just got is more choice. Comparing the pair, okay, in detail. Sportage is 115 millimetres longer than Seltos. And that is like, I don't know, four and a half inches or thereabouts. It's 55 millimetres narrower. That's two and a quarter inches, I guess. And then it's about 40 millimetres shorter, which is kind of an inch and a half. Wheelbase, which is a good baseline for passenger space, is also just 40 millimetres different. So it's a good thing that these two vehicles have substantially different hair and makeup because otherwise only their friggin' mother would be able to tell them apart. <laughs> 
If you're actively considering buying a Seltos, you've really got to ask yourself, would you in fact be better off in a Serato? And I suspect Kia is going to hate me pointing this out. So I guess this is how you know that this report is not sponsored. Yes, the awful truth here is that most people queuing up to buy a Seltos right now would in fact be better off in a Serato or an i30 or a Mazda 3 or in some other car like that. But let's just keep it in the family, shall we? Just for the sake of devil's advocacy. Serato hatch has slightly more wheelbase and slightly more overall length than Seltos. And people always go, you know, they always say this to me. They say, we're about to spit out a kid, therefore we need an SUV. It's like the friggin' 11th commandment or something. Thou shalt breed and procure thyself an SUV. It's just such bullshit. Kind of like the other 10, really. A Serato hatch has equivalent accommodation for people and it offers you 428 litres of boot space. Seltos has 433. Are we really going to argue the toss over half a shopping bag in the back? The two vehicles are functionally identical at accommodating people and luggage. But if you buy a Serato GT over a Seltos GT line, you will save $6,000, six grand. If you're about to spit out a kid, this is not a trivial sum. Equipment levels are similar, the same 1.6 turbo petrol engine, but in a different state of tune in Serato, so you actually get 20 kilowatts more peak power in the Serato GT, and it's all at the top end, and the Serato is lighter because less metal, no all-wheel drive system like that, so you get almost 25% more power to weight in the Serato GT. And if you're overtaking a truck or, I don't know, having a punt on the way out of a bend, I know which vehicle I would rather be in. So objectively, you know, if you need that all-wheel drive system, okay, there's a case for Seltos. If you need slightly more ground clearance, okay. If you have a bung knee and or a bad back or some other orthopedic deficiency and the extra seat height is going to help you ergonomically, okay, buy a Seltos. It's a good SUV. Otherwise, how about you just pocket the six grand, buy the Serato GT and enjoy yourself. It's really not going to be that much of a sacrifice. Two thirds of people buying SUVs today would simply be better off in cars and not just financially. There are two powertrains available. A two-litre Atmo 4 with a CVT, that's a continuously variable transmission. That's front drive, so two-wheel drive only at the front. And then there's a 1.6 Turbo 4 mated to a seven-speed DCT, that's a dual-clutch transmission, and that's the one with all-wheel drive. Now, this is all very confusing, okay, because there used to be two choices, manual 
Auto, right? Now there's all these different flavors of notionally automatic transmissions. CVTs and DCTs, they both drive like conventional autos in the sense that you slip them into D and then they drive. They go out and make all the decisions about the ratios. But these two transmissions are very different internally and characteristically. They're different to each other and they're different from a conventional epicyclic auto as well. And I've got videos that lay all of that out. If you're interested, just use the search function at youtube.com slash TV. That's my YouTube homepage, youtube.com slash TV. Get the search box, type in DCT, check that out, and then search the same way for CVT, and those relevant reports will just jump off the screen and begin humping your leg enthusiastically. <laughs> because, I don't know, technology, Google, whatever. The bottom line here, if you don't want to watch those reports, is that CVTs are good for fuel efficiency, but they're probably the least engaging transmission if you are an outright driving enthusiast. DCTs also excellent for economy, and they're excellent for sporty, engaging driving as well, but they lack low-speed refinement compared to an epicyclic auto. And occasionally, the computer controlling the DCT gets a little bit confused, and it has to play catch-up annoyingly. So there's that. Everything's a compromise, okay? Transmissions and everything else. Conventional autos are thirsty as hell on fuel. In comparison, they're 6 to 10% worse. So if you drive a CVT or a DCT, you are saving that 6 to 10% every time you are turning and burning. And that's pretty big for most people. So basically with Celtos, right, you get a 2-litre CVT to save on fuel. The 1.6 turbo DCT in the top half of the range is what is going to deliver superior performance. The 2.0-litre Atmo engine has a pretty clever party trick as well. It runs on what's called the Atkinson cycle, which is a thermodynamics hack that boosts fuel efficiency. It's a real thing too, not just an example of marketing bullshit. I'll do a separate report on the Atkinson cycle because we're going to be seeing a lot more Atkinson cycle engines as car makers strive to meet ever higher fuel efficiency standards. The Atkinson cycle has already been widely used by Lexus, Toyota, Mazda, Honda's done it, Subaru's used it as well, and Hyundai Kia, obviously, as well as Ford and Chrysler. Basically, what the Atkinson cycle does is it tweaks the inlet valve timing so that the mixture expands through a greater range than it would in a conventional auto cycle engine. And this delivers better thermal efficiency, which is what allows you to save on fuel. However, and there's always a however in cases such as this, because thermodynamics is something of a zero-sum dominatrix, you don't get the efficiency for free. The cost is reduced peak power delivery because you're limiting the engine's inlet air consumption. Happily enough, as usual, Kia has conscripted its on-call Dynamics Wizard to do his mad Jedi voodoo and turn the conventional vomit-spec South Korean suspension into what is actually an outstanding platform to drive on our preposterously crap Australian roads. 
so that's nice. The drive program for the launch was on mainly B and C sort of roads around Noosa, lots of choppy surfaces and bitumen that's patches on patches on patches in patches, and I'd have to say that the body control and the steering feedback is excellent, even when the surface is crap. So you get a big tick there, Kia, for your Seltos suspension tune. There was probably 90 minutes of freeway driving as well on that drive program, so all I can say there is there's nothing to report. It's just quiet and composed at 110, which is exactly what you want. Interestingly enough, in the Dynamics package, this vehicle has a next-generation motor-driven power steering assistance system, and this means an electrical servo motor provides the steering effort assistance. It detects input from you, right? You turn in and a computer tells it how much to help. This is when you're turning into a bend. But when you're on the way out of a bend, MDPS systems typically default to off. And the self-centering effect you feel, if any, is just mechanical control feedback induced by things like caster and dynamic loads on the vehicle. But in this system, the motor also provides self-centering feedback assistance. And that is really excellent. It's a complete step up from previous MDPS systems, which sometimes feel to me as if there's insufficient self-centering. Here's the broad brushstrokes of the Seltos Ranger, okay? You get S, then Sport, Sport Plus, and GT line, and that's in order of increasing appeal and price. 2.0-litre CVT only on S and Sport, 1.6 turbo only on GT line, but you can have either engine in Sport Plus. So the fuel economy powertrain is available in the first three variants, okay? The performance powertrain is available on the top two and they overlap only at Sport Plus. And here's how you tell these four variants apart like a proper automotive ninja. And this, okay, is really going to help you at the dealership when they jam a Seltos under your snout for a test drive. And if you know this, you cannot be bullshat to about which one you're driving. And before you say it in the friggin' comments, okay, bullshat is the past participle of the verb to bullshit. I just made that up. The Poverty S rolls on steel wheels. So if you see those steel wheels, it's an S, and that is dead easy to spot. If you're looking at a Seltos with alloy wheels and a folding key, like a key that you actually stick into an ignition barrel, like, I don't know, back in the Jurassic or something, it's a sport. If it's got 17-inch alloys and a push-button start, it is a Sport Plus. And if it's got 18-inch alloys, which you can distinguish easily because they have this bright red highlight thing around the hub, and if it's got a heads-up display, it's a GT line. So that's how you tell from within or without about the GT line. Head-up display from within, red splash on the wheels from without. Very important to remember to drive the variant that you are thinking of buying. In particular, don't let the dealership shove a really nice one under your snout for a test drive if you're thinking about a low-grade vehicle because it's going to seem much nicer during the test drive, because it is, than the one you're thinking of buying. So remember that. There's more safety gear on Sport Plus and GT line, but you can level that playing field up and get that safety stuff on the S and Sport 
for a 1,000 bucks as an optional extra, okay? So I'm not gonna bore you with the spec sheet in detail because that really will induce narcolepsy and you might be operating heavy machinery, but you shouldn't watch videos while you do that anyway. However, the salient observations arising from the spec sheet are, S is absolutely a poverty pack, okay? Anything that can be removed to cut costs basically has been ripped out, and this is done primarily to appease the great cheapskates of the automotive universe. And here I'm talking about fleet managers. These people are generally bean counters, and they decide what to buy using a spreadsheet and not their hearts. Not at all, not even a little bit. So there's that. It's a big step, three and a half grand, to go from S to Sport, but well worth it for a private owner, in my view. What you get is alloys, a full-size spare tyre, the big centre entertainment system, that infotainment screen, and that comes with Suna live traffic and 10 years of free map care upgrades. And I'm assured by Kia's senior executive managers that there are no strings whatsoever attached to those upgrades. You just get the updates when they become available. It's not like you have to get the car serviced by them or any of these other terms and conditions in the fine print. Sport Plus is probably the pick of the range for most people, I'd suggest, because you get adaptive crews and the better safety gear as standard equipment, plus you get front parking sensors, there's a nicer interior, a proximity key with a push-button start, and it's five and a half grand cheaper than the GT line, which is loaded with all the nice toys, certainly, but do you really need all of that stuff, and could you put the five and a half grand towards something better? Yeah, I mean, probably you don't need it and probably you could spend it better elsewhere. At least money doesn't grow on trees and that's the economically rational, nice option, Sport Plus. You get a full-size spare too, across the range, except in the bean counter appeasing Poverty Pack S. So that's kind of nice for driving in regional Australia. I would strongly suggest that you buy the 1.6 Turbo if sporty, engaging driving matters to you. The CVT that goes with the 2.0-litre is a little bit frustrating for enthusiastic driving. It kind of displays this noticeable re-engagement lag, getting on the gas when you clip an apex and then you want to start feeding in the power on the way out of a bend smoothly. If you can't relate to that or you don't know what it means, the 2.0-litre is going to be fine for you. And I'm not taking the piss or belittling you in any way. The 2.0-litre is completely adequate for non-performance driving nutcases. It does the job for normal driving. It's just like a Subaru XV. There is a lighter side to Celtos, of course. Kia says Celtos is aimed at the young and tech-savvy buyer. Yes, they actually said this one billion times in the press conference. Might have only been 800 million, but it kept me awake for God's sake, and I hate that. Young and tech savvy. It's a kind of marketing code word, right? When you drill right down into it, it means counterintuitively that we all know that 50 something year old women are primarily going to go out and buy this car, but we're not going to say it. This happens all the friggin' time, right? Gets, Veloster, Kia Soul, young and tech savvy. Young and tech savvy 50-year-old chicks. It's reverse ageism when you think about it. Now, as you know, I love marketing because it's, it's like drinking the Penfolds Grange 
of bullshit. Marketers know it's going to be 50-year-old chicks, but they operate in a domain where they have to be politically correct. And because they're also rat cunning, and this is an essential part of the job description, they know a 50-year-old chick will not mind buying a vehicle with youthful, tech-savvy aspirations. But if they tell the truth about this, they also know how hard a metrosexual, tech-savvy muppet will recoil from the prospect of buying a car aimed at his friggin' mother. So there's that. So if you're 50 and female and you find yourself oddly drawn to this vehicle apparently targeted towards people half your age, it's not you, love. It's them. It's really aimed directly at you. They just can't say that. And of course, it is beyond hilarious that the first PowerPoint slide of substance in the Celtos press conference said this. Etymology, Greek mythology and the legend of Celtos, the son of Hercules, brave and assertive spirit, S in the vehicle's name, implies speed and sportiness. Kicking off here with the tiniest kernel of positivity, I think we can all agree that S-type words are generally associated with more positive connotations compared with the usual C-bombs, even though they have their place, obviously. But frankly, the rest of this mythological nonsense reeks being the most hastily contrived automotive naming bullshit that I have ever witnessed. Hashtag respect. Do we even really need a story to underpin this name? What would be wrong with, we just made it up, mate, doesn't mean anything? I'd be happier with that. Because I think you'd agree, if you're a student of history, that there's a small etymology problem. Hercules is actually the fake Roman son of a fake Roman god called Jupiter. Hercules is not Greek. He was never Greek. He never even visited friggin' Greece. I mean, he might have stayed a night or two at an Airbnb in Athens after slaying the nine-headed Lernaean Hydra. He had a couple of days in lieu owing to him after that. It was a big job. Heracles was the friggin' Greek one. 30 seconds on Google can tell you this. (laughs) Heracles had 102 children, incredibly enough, to 35 different women. Hashtag legend. Kind of like some of the bogans I have met from time to time at the Summer Nats, Australia. One of them actually was named Celtus, the children of Heracles, not the burnout bogans, okay? You dudes at Kia, you need a better backstory than that, or even better, none. Conclusion might I suggest that this vehicle is emphatically not one of 102 illegitimate mythical children of fake sons of fake gods from I don't know, Greece or Italy, wherever. We always get them mixed up and they all kind of look the same anyway. Just rolls off the tongue. It's a really tidy SUV, albeit with an absurd name, but it's actually not that small and it doesn't do very much wrong at all. In particular, it handles our crap roads really well indeed. It's safe and it's got a lot of standard gear and you don't play 
options rip-off bingo when you visit a Kia dealership. So that's nice. Seltos could be just right for you if you are sufficiently young and tech-savvy. And if you are perhaps a real man sporting a big, swinging, complimentary set of wedding vegetables, yes, buying a Seltos is quite okay for you too, might I suggest. Especially the 1.6 Turbo, which, let's be clear, goes somewhat harder than any Sportage could ever hope to. So, you won't be forced to race home and download the village people's back catalogue or get any supplemental waxing done down there. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just remember, it is a big jump in price to go from the 2 litre to the 1.6 turbo. It's about three and a half grand. And just bear in mind, if you do that, that you're not just paying for the engine. You're also bolting on an all-wheel drive system as well as that sportier and substantially more expensive dual-clutch transmission. Now, if it was my cash, with a gun at my head, I would choose the Seltos Sport Plus 1.6 Turbo, but I really would have a hard time justifying it against the Serato GT, even though those two vehicles are around the same price. I'd just get more of a kick out of driving the Serato GT on a daily basis, and I wouldn't feel compromised at all. In the interest of making an informed choice here, take a look at that Serato hatch and the Sportars while you're there at the Kia dealer, and also check out Hyundai Kona and Tucson, seven-year warranty between now and Christmas with Hyundai, let's not forget, plus the Mazda CX-3 and CX-5 and Subaru XV and Forester. If this report helped you, you can support this channel via PayPal. There's a secure link in the description below. Let me know what you think too in the comments section, especially if you are a hater. Love me a good hater. But I am still struggling to achieve greater than 10% dislikes channel-wide, and you can help. Subscribe and hit the bell so you don't miss any future uploads to hate on passionately. And if you decide to jump for a Seltos or any other vehicle, hit me up on the website for that because we can get you a discount and also insulate you from conventional dealership ankle-grabbing gymnastics. Most people I speak to don't really enjoy that. Go figure. If you made it this far in this report, congratulations. What an endurance event. Everything ends, however. I just hope it helps you make the right decision. And thanks for watching.